The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Welcome to What Catholics Believe. We have a, another installment of our treatment of uh, the political life here in the United States of America. Uh, we've just been through a, a national election, notably the presidential election, and uh, we have uh, much reason to give thanks to God and uh, great obligation to give thanks to God. But we have to realize that the work has just begun. This isn't the end of it. This is just the beginning. And actually, this is the hardest part of all. Uh, we have a president-elect, uh, Donald Trump. And uh, despite all of his flaws, um, we're hoping that he will actually uh, reform himself and help to reform the country, too. Um, we're praying for him. And uh, for all of those he'll appoint, we're praying for uh, Vice President-elect Pence also, that they will um, seek and find and do God's will. But uh, we have to realize there are many obstacles, many serious obstacles that have to be overcome uh, so that uh, before Donald Trump ever becomes president, before <clears throat> Mr. Pence ever becomes vice president, many obstacles have to be overcome. Um, the, the many, how many hundreds, maybe thousands of assassination threats, <clears throat> threats against uh, Donald Trump's life have been made. And, uh, of course, the, there is that question of whether he will live to become President of the United States. Uh, on January 20th, I guess it is, that he will even be inaugurated. Then there's the question of uh, whether the, the violence that is taking place across the country will be a pretext for the, uh, the present administration declaring martial law and simply voiding elections and uh, imposing a tyranny over the entire country to prevent, well, ostensibly to prevent the uh, violence from uh, spreading like a contagion throughout the country, but actually the whole point of the violence is to prevent a change of administration, a change of regime. Um, then we have the problem also with the Electoral College. The Electoral College is not bound to, uh, to choose Donald Trump or anyone in particular, I guess, any American in particular. Uh, hypothetically, they could even, as some of these protesters demand, make Hillary Clinton the president. Um, they are not bound to Donald Trump or to, uh, any, anyone else. Um, and if the violence, uh, uh, which is being orchestrated, not just perpetrated, but orchestrated um, by the rich uh, anarchist liberals and, uh, and Satanists, uh, who are not even necessarily uh, of our own country, of our own citizenry, but are uh, stirring up trouble as terrorists, uh, terrorists with the dollar here in this country by paying uh, paid um, uh, rabble-rousers, uh, protesters, so-called, but they're actually nothing but hired guns, to go out, stir up trouble, and create violence and destruction in the, in the cities of America. 
um, if they so intimidate the, um, the members of the Electoral College um, that they will kind of vote their way, uh, that is another great obstacle that still has to be met, uh, that danger. But assuming that the moment comes when Donald Trump is uh, inaugurated, takes the oath of office as President of the United States of America to uphold the Constitution and so on, then uh, again, the hard work is just beginning there too. As a Republican-dominated Congress, uh, the House and the Senate, and yet we know what that is worth. We know what many of them are in, uh, as far as being compromisers and uh, that their chief concern is being re-elected. Um, we see that they can be compromised, and we see that uh, Trump himself can be compromised um, by the influence of Washington. Just, just arriving in Washington seems to put one in danger of being drawn into the whole, uh, the whole liberal mindset, big government, uh, which dominates the lives of the, of the plebs. The... Um, we have to really pray very, very hard that uh, all of these dangers are averted, including the danger that uh, Mr. Trump will be uh, drawn into the business as usual, politics as usual, uh, fraternity of, uh, of uh, political life in Washington, D.C., so that the uh, members of the different parties are virtually indistinguishable in what they actually produce. For the people. Um, now, with regard to these uh, protesters, we, we have to we have to realize that our country is under attack. Our country is under a social attack. It has been under attack for quite some time now. Uh, you know that among the tenets of Marxism is that history proceeds by uh, conflict. All human history proceeds, it makes progress, it progresses by means of conflict. And uh, the great conflict is uh, that of now, in, cap uh, in uh, our world today, is the conflict between basically the haves and the have-nots. Uh, what uh, Marx referred to as the working class, the laborers, the proletariat, on the one hand. On the other hand, the owners, the capitalists, the bourgeoisie, the bourgeoisie are those who, uh, in Marx's view, actually owned the means of production, owned the machinery, owned the factories, and so on. And the laboring man had nothing. He possessed nothing. Uh, all he had was his ability to work. And so he would, he would essentially sell himself into slavery. Uh, the products that he made would be alienated from him, and he would be alienated from them. Uh, the value of these products would be usurped by the capitalists who would enrich themselves at the expense of the working man. And the working man would essentially become more and more deeply enslaved as the, uh, as the owners became richer and more powerful and more dominant. Now, Marx was predicting that this would reach the breaking point so that the workers of the, of the world would unite at his call uh, because they had nothing to lose but their chains, as he said. Um, it was Marx's theory that when the first nation fell, when the first country fell into communism, 
um, as it did in Russia in 1917, even as Our Lady predicted it would, just uh, less than a month after the miracle of the sun, in October 1917, the Bolsheviks seized power in Russia. Uh, the prediction of Marx was that the working men of the various countries of the world would immediately rise up and uh, go into a revolt, have a revolution, cast off the, uh, their chains, as he said, and uh, take control. The, the creation of the uh, communist paradise, the workers' paradise, was going to be the ultimate result of this revolution. The revolution itself, though, would involve um, the Communist Party in the various nations seizing control of all of the means of production. So essentially the wealth of the nation would be controlled by the Communist Party. Oh, they talk about Soviets, the, the uh, councils of workers. The Soviets would meet and they would choose representatives to meet at the higher level and all the way up to the, the great Communist Party and um, the, um, the secretary of the Communist Party, uh, as you know, the most notorious in history was Stalin himself, the murderous Stalin, responsible for as many as 60 million deaths, murders of those who as Mao Zedong, the, uh, the j j communist Chinese leader, would say, died for the glory of communism. All of these people were put to death, worked to death, and uh, executed for the glory of communism. But it wasn't a communist society that they lived in. It was a socialist society, because before the great... Uh, communist workers' paradise could be achieved when the need for government simply disappeared and government itself would simply disappear because all private property would disappear and we'd live in a communist world. Before that could be achieved, first, the Communist Party would have to rise to power and seize all the property and take the property all away and control all the property and all the means of production and all the wealth of the nation would have to be controlled by the hands of the few, what we might call the oligarchy of the Communist Party. This would be the, the extreme socialist phase that was necessary to finally achieve the propertyless communist workers' paradise. Uh, the, Marx predicted, though, that revolution after revolution would spread around the globe, and the entire globe would be finally like the, uh, sort of like the domino effect, uh, falling to the workers' revolution, the, uh, um, the Communist Party taking control, seizing all the property, and only when that process was completed could there be a communist world without property and not without government. It was a, a lie, of course, we know that. Um, but the important thing is that before there would be complete freedom because of no property, private property, there had to be complete tyranny, complete control. And that is really the socialist control. We have people who are rioting in the streets who want that. We had a socialist candidate actually uh, adopt the mantle of the Democrats 
for the sake of running against Hillary Clinton for the Democratic nomination, but he's actually a socialist. And, uh, of course, he has allies, powerful allies. And now that the Democratic uh, Party is in supposed disarray, it's the socialists who uh, seem to be standing in line to gain the most. Well, they have many uh, supporters on the streets right now, the streets of America, uh, fomenting uh, violence in their riots. Um, and even when they have people who might ordinarily be peaceful protesters, there are those among them who are paid to create, create violence. Um, but what are they after? What are they looking for? Well, there were some problems with Marxist theory, of course, as you, as you know. Um, after the Bolshevik Revolution, Lenin began to export communist agents all over the world. He exported them to Germany, exported them to France, exported them to England, and exported them to the United States of America. And after our soldiers returned from their you know, uh, somewhat less than a year experience as, as doughboys fighting in World War I, they returned to what had become a war economy here in the United States, and they had to find jobs, and finding jobs for these thousands of young American men returning to America from fighting in World War I um, was not so easy. It took a while, and so the labor force was strained a bit, and the communist agents were here to create trouble, to capitalize on that trouble. And so there were strikes, hundreds of strikes, a thousand strikes across the nation in the year by year after World War I. And these strikes were all to create labor unrest to fulfill Marx's prediction that one by one the capitalist nations of the world would see revolution as the workers rose up to throw off their chains of capitalism, the laborers would seize, would seize control, and uh, their Soviets, all the way up to the Supreme Communist Party itself, would take control of everything in the country. And uh, it didn't happen. It did not happen. Well, the problem was that uh, the highly industrialized nations of the world were still too stable. And the workers were not willing to rise up, as Marx predicted they would. Lenin decided that it was actually not up to the workers then to rise up, it was up to the intelligentsia, the, the thinkers, the, the philosophers, who had to lead the way and do the thinking and do the leading for the people, because the people were incapable of leading themselves to revolution. A little adjustment in Marxist theory, um, a la Nikolai, uh, Vladimir Lenin. But in any case, um, when the workers of the world did not rise up and revolt, the Marxists had to go back to the drawing board and decide, well, where Marx was wrong. And they basically came to the conclusion that Religion was the problem. Christianity, in particular. Christianity was the problem. That, in fact, Marx had been right, that religion is the opiate of the people that prevents them from reacting as they might because they've been drugged by religion. And so, uh, Marxist, the social Marxist, uh, met in Frankfurt, uh, established what came to be understood or known as the Frankfurt School, the 
Frankfurter Schule, and they produced um, a program in order to destroy the Christian civilization, the Christian culture, in the nations of the world that had been Catholic for so long, part of Catholic civilization. Uh, their program was called uh, Cultural Marxism. And what they intended to do was completely subvert the, nation, the Christian nations of the world, completely subvert them in their morality, to, in the course of time, whether it took decades or centuries, their intention was to completely obliterate the Christian character of the societies by... Uh, inverting morality so that what was morally good in, in the eyes of Christians, in the eyes of God, in the eyes of the gospel, became morally repugnant to the people. And what was condemned as perverse and evil by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ would be exalted as the, the pinnacle of morality and the great achievement of civilization. We're, we're seeing the results of their efforts here in the glorification of homosexuality. And not just the habilitation of homosexuality, but the pride of place, the glorification of homosexuality, as though it were something especially good. And the mockery and ridicule of virginity, chastity, and how it is regarded not only as something to be despised, detested, but as something to be feared almost, as though it's something creepy, as though it's something wicked and, and distorted and twisted when someone is pure of heart and uh, intends to maintain his or her virginity in life. Nowadays, that is, that, is, that is the sin. That is the crime. That is what is ridiculed. Um, and so the Marxists, the cultural Marxists, have done a very good job of doing a very bad job. Uh, they have been very successful in subverting the societies and perverting the minds of the people. But there was still one problem with the Marxists. The Marxists were still facing a problem, and that is this whole model of Karl Marx, of the laborer and the, the capitalist, the laborer and the owner, being in absolutely inevitable warfare with each other, two separate classes, no crossovers, two inveterate enemies that had to fight to the death, labor and capital. <clears throat> capital would dominate labor into slavery, or labor would rise up and crush and destroy capital, one or the other, because there was, there was this dogmatic cultural warfare. I mean, the whole idea of the history, the progress of history relied upon this model of Marx being this constant conflict that cannot be resolved, really, except in destruction and the ultimate creation of the communist worker in a communist society, which would be a communist paradise, where there would be a, no more private property at all. It wasn't working. And why? especially here in America. And this has something to do with the people who are out in the streets right now who are being paid to be there to stir up trouble. Their idea, socialism, Marxism, it doesn't work. And uh, the reason being is because it is a complete myth. It is a complete lie. But in this country, the fact is that the workers became the owners, that the labor became capital, 
um, that the, the genius of the American free enterprise system and the free economy is that the workers can labor and save and buy and become owners. They can become worker owners and owner workers. They can own the companies and be working alongside their own, their own employees as one of their employees. They can share stock in their own company and let the workers own stock in their own company and own part of the company. So this absolute division between labor on one side and capital on the other, the workers and the owners, in the American system, that, that division doesn't really exist unless it's created by the socialists. The socialists and the Marxists have to create that divide. They have to break down the American system into a socialist system in order to impose Marxism here. And that's exactly what they're doing. The people who voted for Donald Trump, for example, these were people as the commentators, the leftist, socialist-minded commentators say in the news, these are the common working people. White America, they like to say, but it certainly wasn't only Caucasians who were voting for Trump. Basically, anybody was voting for Trump who labored and worked and built and accomplished and produced. On the other side, we had the ones who did not necessarily labor and work and produce and accomplish. We had the billionaire, the billionaires who were working hand in glove with politicians, bringing the economic leadership uh, into cahoots, basically, with the with the political uh, power, and then they both brought the uh, the entertainment and media industry into their little cabal, and so you have this this basic. Uh, I'm, yeah, you can call it a conspiracy of uh, the, the the entertainers, right? The uh, the media with the political powers, with the financial powers of the world, all coming together. And this is precisely what socialism is all about. I mean, this is what they were creating here in America. You had the takers. You had all the people who would cast the votes for them. Because why? Well, because they were being paid to do so. They might not necessarily be paid uh, the $1,400 uh, by George Soros to get out in the streets and uh, start throwing rocks. But they're being paid in other ways. They're being paid in form of welfare. They're being bought off. And so those who are taking and taking and taking, but don't produce anything, they don't labor, they just take from others who do labor. They're the ones who are going to vote for those who are there to give to them who promise to give them what they take from those who are laboring and who bear the burden of actual producing something of value here in America. What we saw happen in the last presidential election is that the people who did the labor and who saw the fruits of their labor taken from them, again, Marxist idea of the labor being taken from the product being taken from the labor, well, these were the victims who voted for Trump, for Donald Trump. These were the, the people of America, the middle class people of the United States of America, the workers, the producers, who saw the, the works of their laborers taken away from them and being given to not only people who were just takers and weren't producing anything in this country, but even, even the enemies of this country were being financed 
being supported by the laborers of this country, who, because of their labor, had built and had bought, and now they were owners as well as workers. They saw what they had built and what they had achieved being siphoned off from them and being given to those in this country who were just basically um, draining the, 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 the wealth that they were producing, or even, even saw the, the, their production given to those who were just an outright and avowed enemies of our country. And that is, that is the class, as it were, that, if we can call it that, that, those are the people who actually voted for Donald Trump. And there were those who said they were very surprised that they managed to uh, win the election. There were those who, who, to this day, insist that they didn't really win the election, that Trump didn't really win the election because the popular vote went for Hillary. The majority of the popular vote went for Hillary. But that the um, Electoral College numbers went in favor of Trump, by, by a substantial margin, actually, just because of where the votes fell and what states. There were those of us who were surprised that Trump even won the Electoral College, Electoral College, that he was even allowed to win. I guess that's the question. Not that he actually did win, but that he was allowed to win. We weren't expecting that they would make, allow that to happen. We thought that they had the power to prevent it from happening in any case. Perhaps the scrutiny was just too close in this election to allow that kind of chicanery. Perhaps there already was massive vote fraud. Perhaps the fact, that, uh, as they claim, that Hillary had the numbers of the popular vote, the majority in her favor, perhaps that was already the result of massive vote fraud, and yet it was not enough. We don't know. How will we ever really know? But it seems almost miraculous that a man like Donald Trump uh, who was actually put up there because to make to try to make Hillary look good with all of his barbarisms and um, crudity? We pray for him. We pray that the grace of God now will enable him to be transformed into a true leader, a worthy leader of a nation, worthy leader of a nation that has a, a, a holy fear and a love for God. We have to pray for that. We pray that he survives, that he has the grace then to lead um, in the way that those who chose him would, not only those would want him to leave, his constituents, but in the way that God would have him lead. We have to pray for that. This is where the hard work begins now, pushing against all of the fury of the Marxist-Socialist leftist um, uh, cabal in the world, um, um, including Francis himself. So, my dear people, I uh, just leave you with that. Uh, my own students here at Immaculate Conception Academy, uh, you know, had some questions they were asking in class, and I tried in some cases to answer the questions I had, and in other cases to anticipate their questions. But I think it is very important for us to understand that the leftists here are completely flummoxed by what happened 
because they are Marxists, because they are socialists, because they are leftists, and their doctrine, their dogma tells them that there must be class warfare, and they are following that schema, they're following that scenario, that is their template, that is their paradigm, I guess you might say, and what's, what's happened here is totally contrary to that model. And it is, it is precisely, I believe, because there still is the vestige of faith left here in America, in many, many souls. And we have to appeal to those souls to, to um, try to lead them back to our Lord, to enable them to understand and to find our Lord, really, where he, he is to be found in the traditional Catholic faith. But we also have to see that in this country, um, it was the most anti-Marxist country in the world, not in its policies, but in its principles, in the sense that here in this country, uh, we did have the natural law, to a great extent, that was being followed. And the natural law affords rights, God-given rights, and looks to God as the source of those rights, not government as the source of those rights and allowed human beings to use their talents and their energies to produce, to thrive, to enrich themselves, the country, and the whole world, so that the workers could become the owners and could bring together harmoniously the, what Marx had furiously and perpetually separated into warring classes. The American system found the way to bring them together in the same people. The owners and the workers are the same people. And these are the ones who actually, the producers, who actually produce the goods, the services, the benefits of this country. These are the ones who voted for Donald Trump because they were just, had reached the limit. They will not, they would not accept anymore someone who would continually to rob from them, to give to the enemies of what they cherished, held dear. Well, I hope that this is some, somewhat of interest. I would appreciate your comments and uh, beneficial comments, I'm sure. But I continue to pray for you and I ask your prayers for me, for our country and for our president and vice president-elect and all of the members of our government. May this be truly a representative government, representative not only of the people of the United States of America, but representative of the will of God. Let us pray for that. May God bless you all.